0: You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Karnassan. While other areas of startup funding seem to be cooling down, like our planet, climate tech seems to be heating up. According to Crunchbase data cited by the New York Times, climate startups in the US raised nearly $20 billion in 2022, beating 2021's $18 billion and three times more than 2020. And it looks like there's way more to come because VC funds broke the record for the largest amount of capital raised last year, around $151 billion S. At November. And according to CTVC, this leaves venture funds with nearly. 300 billion dollars of dry powder that's a lot of cash waiting to be deployed on top of that global policy change looks to be a big growth lever for the space whether it's the EU's proposed carbon tax the carbon border adjustment mechanism or the US federal government's proposal to require suppliers disclose emissions and climate related data the bottom line here is that knowing accounting and planning for greenhouse gases will be vital if you're doing business globally add to that the fact that many countries and companies around the world are committing to net-zero targets, I think it's fair to say that we can expect the climate tech space to continue to heat up. Today on Open for Business, we take a look at the promise and potential of the space here in Malaysia with a homegrown player. I'm joined in the studio by Max Lee, co-founder and CEO of Pantas Software. Pantas provides customised end-to-end solutions to help companies calculate, manage and disclose their carbon emissions as well as access climate-themed investments and financing. Max, welcome to the show. Thank you and it's great to be here. So, Max, Climatech is a very wide vertical in startup land, right? There's a lot going on there. Generally speaking, it encompasses uh, companies trying to decarbonize the global economy. Some people are extracting carbon dioxide from the air and turning it into rocks and trying to bury it. Some are looking, focusing on clean energy. Pantas, on the other hand, is focused on carbon accounting. Now, At first glance, this doesn't sound super exciting as some of the other areas here, uh, Max, but I guess what gets measured gets managed. So talk to us about what carbon accounting entails and what Pantas does
1: here. Okay. So just to give a simple analogy, for a company, you have financial accounting, you calculate the cash inflow and outflow at the end of the day. So carbon accounting is basically you calculate the carbon inflow and outflow of the company's activity. So, in a very broad scope. So carbon accounting is divided into three scope. The first one is direct, the first one and two is direct admission from your operation. Okay. And the third one is basically admission from your supply chain. So the way, very simple, the way to calculate carbon emission. just take for example, a company, they burn fuel for their cars, for example. So we take the liters of fuel they burn, we apply something called emission factor, we convert that into carbon. So imagine a company has a lot of activities, millions of data points. So we're converting <laughs> all those data points into CO2 equivalent. And like you mentioned earlier, what get measured, get managed. So
0: the area of carbon accounting is as, I mean, based on what you've just said there, uh, Max, it's complicated. There's a lot going on there. Something you've got emissions factors involved. So there's a lot of calculation that goes in lo- uh, involved that is involved here. Um, but it does make the unlocking this area very lucrative, right? Especially with more regulations and policies coming into place. The foundation of your solution uh, looks to be the ability to estimate and calculate those emissions. Um, that said, given how hot climate tech is, uh, and we, I remember earlier I we was talking about how much funding there is possibly available out there. I'm sure everyone's trying to get a piece of this, right? Including the big consulting firms across the world, which I'm sure will be competing in this space. Um, How did you build your model uh, and your software? And most importantly, how do you know it's reliable?
1: Okay, so uh, let's start with... uh the competition when you mentioned consulting firm. So in fact we are complementary service to the consulting firm. Mm. So a consulting firm will come and talk to certain companies about how to decarbonize. They call it the net zero roadmap, for example. But at the end of the day the consulting firms are giving them a roadmap. But somebody needs to do the work. How do you reach zero? So before you know how to reach zero, you need to start the calculation. The calculation is a manual process. You need Accountants, or what we call carbon accountants, to start calculating, and we provide the tool, the software, to do exactly that. So for us, in fact, we are in discussion with major consulting firm of collaboration, so they can go in, provide the advice, we provide the tool to complement their service. So that's the first question. So the second question is: Yes, it's very lucrative. There's a lot of player in this space, but not so many from. Uh, this part of the world. Mm. Uh, mostly the you see a lot of startup doing this in US and Europe. And the reason being, uh, you need a lot of localization of the software to work in this part of the world. I'm going to take a real life example. Our client has SAP software. They are a large client. They have SAP software as their enterprise resource planning software. And SAP has a carbon accounting module that you can use to do your carbon accounting. Unfortunately, companies in this part of the world just do not collect the relevant climate data to mm. do the carbon accounting. So even though you have that software, you are unable to use it. You cannot utilize it. You need certain modification of it. Pantas software is built ground up to suit the business needs here. We actually work very, very closely with our clients. It's all customized to the level of the person in charge of that data. So you mentioned
0: uh, SAP, for example, there, right? Um, Are you going to be able to plug into something like SAP or are the clients going to have to use different software, uh, ERP solutions?
1: So actually we plug into all the uh, ERP system. And even if they do not have an ERP system, they just have a normal accounting system. We have ways to integrate with that as well.
0: All right. And I also asked about the model itself, yeah. right? Um, because a lot of this is going to come down to reliability. Yeah. Um, anyone can build a model, but whether that model or software yes. accurately calculates what we need, um, that could lead to some different adverse reactions later on. How did the build, you build the model and how do you know it's reliable?
1: So, uh, so firstly, we have, uh, we have a partnership with British Standard Institution. So we actually, uh, so they are, the one that's auditing our process and make sure that you know our methods, our uh, admission factor use, et etc., are correct, and it's based aligned with the ISO's uh, standard as well. You uh,
0: mentioned something about the emissions factor earlier. Yeah. Uh, what is that?
1: So, emission factor is actually uh, uh, simply; it's just a number to convert an activity. For example, as said fuel consumption into CO two equivalent. This is an uh, emission factor is developed. Uh, Uh, mostly in US under IPCC uh, Mm -hmm. US, Europe Uh, so it's a global database it's actually uh, you can find it but the question is how to use the most accurate emission factor for your activity so for example in Malaysia even just electricity there are three different emission factors for electricity in Malaysia alone because the uh, emission factor for electricity in Peninsula is different from Sabah and it's different from Sarawak so that's where you know if you are not you're not in the in the industry or you do not know how to do this, it starts to get very complicated and then multiply towards other products. And and some emission factor are proprietary. For example, if you buy a MacBook Air, I can tell you a MacBook Air contains 161 kg of CO2. <laughs> one MacBook Air like if you do not have a database you do not have a way to accurately assign some of these emission factors then it will take it, it will take you it's almost impossible to do it manually let's just put it that way So a lot of companies that we see in in this part of the world, they are only focusing on direct admission because that's easier to do. But the indirect admission, the admission from the stuff you buy, those are hard to to manage, hard to track. And a lot of company has yet to even start calculating that. But to be net zero, you need to calculate across the supply chain as well.
0: Up next, we'll take a look at the mode of this business as well as the growth direction ahead. Uh, stick around. I'm Roshan Kandason. Keep it here to BFM eighty-nine point nine, bluff-free medium BFM eighty-nine point nine. You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Karnasin and this morning I'm speaking with Max Lee, the co-founder and CEO of Malaysian climate tech startup Pantas. Uh, Max, earlier we talked a bit about what you guys do. right? We talked a little bit about the business model as well and uh, some of the elements of competition. Now... I want to get a sense for what the mode is here, right? Because software companies have great margins. The climate tech area is such a hot space right now. There are going to be other people who want to get in on this. And localization is only one part of that uh, that dynamic, that metric there. So how what is the current mode of Pantas, And how are you going to fend off competition in the longer run?
1: Okay, so first thing, uh, we're starting with uh, customization. Actually, it takes around a month or two. Customer software. So, similar to like SAP system, once the customer is done, we are plugged into the company's operation. So, it's actually, it will take a lot of time to transition out from our software. But most importantly, we, we want to provide a good service so that our clients keep to us. But we are not just a pure uh, calculation software, we want to be an end to end climate solution provider. So, With that, we are also helping our clients to take advantage of this hot climate space. For example, helping them develop low-carbon product, carbon-neutral product, or even climate-positive product. In fact, one of our clients will be launching a climate-positive product very, very soon. And it's going to be the first one in Southeast Asia, very exciting. And maybe people are like, what is (laughs) climate-positive? Climate-positive is just you suck out more carbon than you admit. From the product. So, you know, well, we can't disclose too much about that, but that's a competitive advantage that we have. That's one. The second one is so, after you calculate, companies like, so great, you give me all these numbers, what do I do with it? So, we have a partnership with N Bank to uh, N solution providers such as EV or energy efficiency solution provider that they MBank will provide the financing to allow you to purchase this product, purchase this service to go green, to decarbonize. So it's not just about calculation. You get the whole end-to-end and you even get the financing to help you go green. And lastly, we are proud to work with FRIM, Forest Research Institute of Malaysia to be the first all-Malaysian team to develop a nature-based carbon credit to help preserve a forest in Perak uh, and to help with the Orang Asi settlement there as well. So the the idea or the vision here is to be an end-to-end solution provider. And of course, we're talking just now about turning CO2 into rocks. So that's CCUS, Carbon Capture Utilization and Storage. So that is actually very expensive right now. But hopefully over time, we are able to offer that to our client. Because think of it this way. We are the first entry point to our client's decarbonization journey. They are calculating their carbon. And then once they calculate the next natural progression is what do we do with it? Mm. How do we reduce it? And then, so the reductions come from all the solution that we mentioned, EV, uh, solar, any efficiency, et cetera, et cetera, and then offset. So for whatever that we cannot reduce, how do we offset carbon credit and also CCUS? So you want to help them, as we
0: mentioned earlier, right? You want to help them measure and then you want to help them manage that. That's the end-to-end part of this. But I would assume that speed would be of the utmost importance here, right? Because um, a lot of this seems to depend on being able to connect with ERP solutions but I'm sure the big ERP solutions will want to also capture that in their own ecosystem over time. We talked about how consulting firms, the big ones anyway, are not afraid to throw some money around to acquire solutions or or things that complement their services. Yes, they may not execute but there's a lot to be said about the value of measuring, especially with how prominent net zero and carbon accounting and sustainability has been. Um, What's stopping essentially I I guess the main question here is someone with more resources and an existing network, right? Because the mode here you're alluding to is that network effect. Essentially plug into as many as you can and then it's hard for them to leave. But what about those who already have networks um and already have resources they can deploy, right? What's stopping them from connecting into their current consulting or audit firm clients, for example, and replacing you. Yes, you want to work with the consulting firms, but I'm sure you can't work with all of them right? without a certain conflict of interest.
1: Yep. So, so just, so maybe I take a step back mm. to, to offer something that's so unique that nobody's doing it right now in the market. So we talk about helping our client manage their carbon emissions. So one of the way is supply chain emission. How do you manage the emission for your suppliers? And that is a million-dollar questions is waiting to be solved. <laughs> and, and in fact, we came up with something innovative. We are, in fact, uh, working with Bank Nagara lo- uh, that this program has been launched. It's called Greening Value Chain, mm-hmm. program that was launched during COP27 last year by Bank Nagara. It will be rolled out on March 7. So what it does is basically it help. We created a solution that helps our clients manage The admission of their supplier, so their supplier is being offered a carrot and a stick to go to go green, and the stick is do this or you'll be left out from the procurement process. Because a lot of our clients are required to start managing their carbon emissions because of requests from their uh, customer, because of regulation, for example, the carbon border adjustment mechanism that you mentioned, and they need their supplier to start play ball. And how do they do that? So they're telling them the stick is do this. We will give you better rates, buy more from you, pay earlier to you. So that is the stick and a little bit of the carrot. And then the carrots also come from our collaboration with Bank Nagara, that Bank Nagara is making available this 2 billion LCTF facility for companies, for SME to go green. That's one of them. We are also providing free education to the SME, free too. Uh, a a stripped down version of our uh, software that's made specifically for SME and it's available in five different languages. And lastly, also, we are working with M Bank to provide sustainably linked financing that is not available to SME before. So large corporation, you might have heard that they launched Climate Bond, for example, they get a discount on the financing rate if they meet certain KPI this has not been enjoyed by smaller businesses because there's no way to really track uh, their carbon emission and know that whether they perform or not. But with our partnership with MBank, we are launching such link financing where, for example, let's say a company has 10 ton of CO2. They manage to cut their emission by 10%. The interest rate on the loans will go down, for example, 0.1% a year. So that would be outcome-based you will be incentivized to do something. And then once you do something, you get incentivized again. And that is what we want to launch. And this has gained so much traction that, in fact, we are replicating what we are doing here with Bank Nagara with the bank in Thailand. Interesting. Are, so you're not just looking at
0: the local market, of course, yep. you're looking at the region. So talk to us a bit about that development with uh, Thailand and any other projects in the region
1: yes so uh, our main thing we have agreement with uh, our partner in thailand so so we are starting with uh, a few clients in thailand right now so uh, and it was by chance we met them during a conference and they were interested with our uh, solution uh, after months of negotiation <laughs> uh, we are you know, in fact we will be their partner uh, presenting it to uh, to the Uh, The the central bank there, the ministry, et cetera, uh, in April as well.
0: Traction in any other regions aside Malaysia and Thailand? Uh,
1: So far, just those two regions. But just to give uh, the listener uh, some context, we launched our product in June last year. Yeah, so you
0: started in 2021. And you've pivoted the project around eight months ago. What happened there?
1: Okay, so when we first started uh, Pantas, we provide a free e-invoicing software. And with that, we try to provide financing using the data collected from the invoicing uh, solution. But we realized the traction is uh, uh, not up to, it's not as fast as we want uh, because it actually takes time to convince smaller businesses to Digitize. Although everybody know digitization is important, but it's it's too slow for us. And uh, and f- as part of the process, because uh, of our financial background, we are we are very in tune with sustainability. And we realized that sustainability is actually uh, it's is a bigger market and also a, a very fast growing market with not a lot of player in this region. So that's why we decided to pivot uh, in June last year.
0: I understand that you have a partnership with Kosan Rubber Industries yep. to assist their SMEs or SMEs within their supply chain network to decarbonize their operations. Does this reflect the client acquisition strategy going forward? Acquire the big players in respective industries and then get their respective suppliers?
1: Yep. So that is one of the strategy that, that we, are, we are working on. But I think the other strategy that we have is working with the banks. So... For example, our partnership with and Bank is a good example. So, banks provide financing, and now banks are also under uh, investor pressure, they are also under regulatory pressure to go green and they actually need to account for the admission of the loan that they give out to their clients. It's part of uh, what they call finance admission. So actually they need to calculate that. So it's in their interest to make sure that their clients go green. So by partnering with the banks, we are also working together on
0: that. Any other banks, uh, are you gaining traction with any other banks aside M-Bank and the Thai
1: Bank? Uh, Yes, we are talking to the major bank in Malaysia and Singapore as well but we can only announce those two for now.
0: (laughs) All right, Max, we've got to go into a few messages and then then the 10.30am News Bulletin. Uh, Up next, being green may be good for the planet, but is it good for the top and bottom line? Find out in a little bit. I'm Roshan Karnasen. Keep it here to BFM 89.9. Building Future Malaysia. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Rushan Karnasun and this morning I'm speaking with Max Lee, co-founder and CEO of Malaysian climate tech startup Pantas. Max, before the news bulletin, we were talking a little bit about uh your business is a lot of B2B, right? You don't deal with the front-facing customers. You're dealing with businesses here which typically have longer sales cycles, right? It can take a lot of time. It can, it can a lot of times, come down to the strength of the relationships you have. So how did Pantas land Kosan, right? You talked about the conference in the Thai Bank earlier. Uh, I can't imagine that Kosan was a cold call, right? Um, was this perhaps a lead or connection from a investor, maybe,
1: or perhaps an existing relationship
0: that you or one of your co-founders had?
1: Uh, believe it or not, it actually was a co call no way, yes, it was <laughs> it was as a startup. you just have to try everything, including co calling but uh, especially when we pivoted we we, 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 we targeted lists of companies that are On top, where sustainability is on top of the agenda, is a targeted cold call. It's not like we call every company, but company that have shown to want to do sustainability, and and from there, uh, we managed to talk to the chief sustainability officer, uh, Shikin, and she understand. uh, We understand. Her, her, the issue she's facing with carbon accounting and we were able to produce uh, the, the solution but most importantly Dan uh, Sri Lim uh, the CEO and founder of Costa uh, Rubber Industry he believed in this and he believed in technology to solve this issue so he after we had a meeting with him he literally said yes so that's, you know, that's, that's, Cosan is actually our first clients. We're very thankful and we continue to, to help them to reach new height and uh, hopefully to continue this relationship for a long time going forward.
0: So to give us a little bit of that broader perspective here, right, so generally speaking, uh, you've got two key target markets, the upstream side, which is the companies like Mm Kosan, they need to account for their GHG emissions. And then you've got the downstream side, right, the financial institutions and the investors who need to verify and audit uh, emissions reports. Um, As it stands here in Malaysia, how much traction are you getting uh, for your solutions here? we've talked a little bit about some of the clients but yeah. overall give us a bit of colour
1: yeah so uh, we are SaaS based software so our clients sign up to 12 to 15 month contract with us so and as you mentioned previously the sales cycle is very long <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for each of these clients uh, and then currently uh, we have uh, four clients that uh, you know, in uh, sign up and then we have a few more coming in the pipeline and uh, in term of uh, so so the, we are still basically trying to be a thought leader in this space. We we have partnership with banks, with associations and uh, and try to push our product that way. So not so much a co calling now. People do know what Pantas is right now uh, because of our, uh, we have, uh, we are under uh, Montreatori Singapore project Greenprint and uh, with our partnership with Bank Negara and then soon the partnership in Thailand as well. So we we built a brand. We built uh, uh, a name for ourselves uh, in the past few months. So, so that's how uh, we try to get get to to this company. And and there's a lot of green related conference around. So that's another way of uh, we going through to to acquire clients. But of course, the next strategy that we are moving to is basically working with the consulting firm as a way to to offer a bundle product.
0: Now, you and your co-founders left careers in fintech finance and big data analytics in New York City to pursue this. Um, I have to assume that part of this had to do with the potential financial upside that the three of you see here. So let's talk a little bit about that and the potential ahead. Um Let's start with growth, right? Now, growth is the name of the game for early stage startups. Um, I know you've pivoted the product. Uh, it's only been eight months. Uh, so maybe unfair to ask how much growth you've seen in the last eight months, but give us some color here, right? So forget the 2021 start date. Um, since you're in your new iteration here, um, how much growth have you seen?
1: So I think the best way to measure growth is we are close to cash flow break even. Okay. In, in less than, uh, in around eight months, we hopefully in the next two months, we will be uh, break even in terms of cash flow. Um, our business success. So our clients sign up to 12 to 15 month contract. So, um, and we are seeing a lot of growth uh, in the pipeline that we are very excited about. And not just in Malaysia, but also in Thailand. And our partners are bringing more clients to us as well as we speak. So, Break even is great, right? But it
0: also, when you're coming from a lower base effect or so, exactly. it's, it may be easier to achieve that as well. Um, are you looking at what kind of potential are you looking at ahead, right? Are you expecting, you know, I, like, I know startups like to talk in X's, right? Yeah. So, what kind of growth are you expecting? You know, I'm sure you've had chats with investors as well. They're going to be asking for forecasts. What are you forecasting ahead in terms of growth?
1: Well, I think, so let's just put it this way. Uh, let's take listed company in Malaysia. I would confidently say almost 99% of the Malaysian listed company that are required to do such reporting they are still doing it manually Mm. and there's nothing wrong with the manual process if you can get it right but a lot of them are not even So, so it's not comprehensive enough if you do it manually and it takes a lot of time so just take that just situation in Malaysia, you multiply it across Southeast Asia and then not just Southeast Asia, but other countries in Asia as well. That's how big the market is. And in fact, according to research report, this market is expected to grow at 20% KGAR for the next 10 years. So a lot of potential. Uh, do you have any numbers for the total addressable market? No. Uh, for Southeast Asia, it's multi-billion dollars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's first. more than more than 10 billion. So that's how VC likes
0: yeah, it's true. Fun. Now, Max. Of course, the key yeah. question here is: um, they're obviously going to do internal accounting, right? Yeah. Is it cheaper to hire people to do it manually, or is it cheaper to hire panthers to plug into software? Are you going to be? Are you going to pass that test in a lot of yes. these companies?
1: Yes, we're, we're definitely cheaper, uh, and also not just cheaper. Some things, especially when it comes to scope three supply chain admission, you can't really do it manually. For example, like the example I give just now, Apple one hundred sixty-one kg. Imagine uh, how many things you buy. Mm. So,
0: And uh, to give us a little bit more color here in terms of the revenue side of things, um, what's the split between your downstream and your upstream uh, verticals?
1: Uh, I'll say now is about half-half. So, so downstream here means the banks versus the corporates, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier you uh, are break-even, sorry. So currently, the viability of the business model looks good. Um, SaaS software companies usually have big margins there. Um... And this, I guess, the fact that you're break even, I guess, is a is a, it's kind of good news in the light that the cost of capital is up. Um, but I'm sure there's focus on investing in the business to continue to grow it. So, is this break even point a temporary measure, and you're going to have to start maybe putting more money to work to grow, or are you confident that? you're going to break even and then it's all going to be about profitability and cash flow positivity from now onwards.
1: I, I wish it's, you know, we break <laughs> even and then we don't have, ever have to race again. But the truth is, uh, based on our pipeline, we should break even in the next two months. Uh, but th- that's not the end goal. That's just a, a goal we set for ourselves when we started the company. For our is as a startup, uh, you should make money. It should be viable. So we do not believe in burn cash to acquire a customer. But of course, we will burn, we will spend money where it's needed. For example, our expansion in Thailand, we do need to have an office there and somebody who speak the language to make it much easier to, to customize the, the software to local content. So when that's needed, uh, we would either explore a JV model with our partners there, or raise capital to expand to uh, Thailand. So break even in Malaysia, but in your new markets, going, there's going to be investment needed
0: yep. there. Yep. Um, with localization and setting up offices, you know, software is always seen as such a scalable business, right? Yep. But if you're going to have to localize to each country, um, is that going to be a choke point? Because you know, everyone likes to look at Southeast Asia as this homogeneous market when it's not, yep. not at all. Um, if you have to go and localize to Thailand, to Indonesia, to Philippines, to mm. Malaysia, Um, does that hamper your scalability plans?
1: So two things so the good thing unlike accounting carbon accounting use uh, follow the GHG protocol the greenhouse gas protocol so it's a international standard Uh, that's how you calculate carbon And, and that's being adopted by every country so that's make it easier uh, the second thing is when we mean localize it's more like the implementation stage of it so once we implement it for a company then these people free up to go and do the implementation to another company so it's not so much uh, cap, um human resource intensive when it comes to that but the localization involved basically customizing the, the solution for each uh, client so it's, so for example if a client sign up a 12 month contract first two months is usually where we have to literally implement the system that takes the time but after that the people that's involved in that will be able to move to another project
0: Max we've got a few messages coming up uh, but after this though we'll get into your funding as well as cap table I'm Roshan Karnasin, keep it here to open for business on BFM 89.9 Bright, formidable media BFM 89.9 The Business Station Welcome back, folks. You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Karnassan, and joining me in the studio this morning is Max Lee, the co-founder and CEO of Malaysian climate tech startup, Pantas. Um, Max, we've talked about the base, what the product is, where your growth avenues could be, um, the break-even in path to profitability, uh, Break-even, you're breaking even in Malaysia or expecting to in the next few months, but you may need to... Um, be a bit more capital intensive in newer markets On, along this journey of course funding is the lifeblood of a business right in terms of expansion in terms of growth has Panthers raised any funding and if so uh, how much of a runway that is that going to buy you in your new markets for example
1: so so we raised one and a half uh, around one and a half million USD uh, seed round mainly from US Europe and Hong Kong investor uh, before we came back to Malaysia to start Pantas, and in terms of uh, runway, so we just based on estimates uh, considering the burn in in uh, Thailand, we still have uh, the run. We still have enough runway because because the way the team is very lean, we're running very lean. Like you met some of my team members, and they all. Know, wear different hats, <laughs> so 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 we 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 are comfortable with with our cash flow situation, and we have been approached by investor who wants to invest to fund our expansion. Anyway, so I do not see actually uh, cash as an issue as for us. I know it sounds weird for a startup to say that, but given our finance background, we manage our cash very very carefully.
0: Right, because you and your uh, co-founder uh, were. In investment banking and hedge fund, right? Yep. So a bit of experience there. Uh, the one point five million dollars you raised in that seed round uh, was this in twenty twenty one when you first started, or during the pivot?
1: Twenty twenty one, when we first started. Um,
0: now, typically, uh, when startups raise money, uh, it seems to be for a runway of around twelve to eighteen months. Yeah. Um, can I estimate that that's about the ballpark here when you guys raised at, at that time?
1: Yes, but but because when we when the traction was not what we wanted, so we didn't scale up as fast as we need, so we're able to conserve a little bit more cash. Again, trying to run a lean team, cut down all the unnecessary expenses. So you've pulled those cost levers already to kind of optimize the runway here. Um, What does the
0: current cap table look like? So $1.5 million is nothing to scoff at. It's a lot of money. Um, What's the current cap table like?
1: Uh, Well, currently, we raise it as a convertible note. So the company is still owned by the shareholders with the three co-founders and also all our employees so every employee in Pantas gets a share and we're very proud to say we have 100% retention rate because they are all owners of the company so you said something interesting
0: there Max Uh, so it's a convertible note that you raised at 1.5 million tell us a little bit about that and what are the terms attached to that Uh,
1: so the convertible note is essentially a quasi-equity instrument so it will convert when it meets certain criteria and for us the criteria is when we raise the next round so the next round, uh, Series A, for example. So when we raise the next round, the, the convertible note will convert at a certain conversion ratio, which unfortunately I can't share, but that's how it works in general. So let's say we raise the next round at $100 million, for example, then the the, the existing investor will get that valuation plus a discount, so they get a little bit more on their return. Now
0: anything happen in startup life, right? You could, uh, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but let's say um, you don't make it to Series A and the company goes bust. What happens then with that convertible note?
1: Uh, it gets written down to zero. Yes, is not a debt implication. So if it go bankrupt, there's no recovery for it, then the, the investor will get zero returns. Okay. But if there's, so then recovery, we actually sell whatever, so the investor will first get something before anything gets distributed to the shareholders. All right, got it. So talent retention is always going to be a key uh,
0: cause of concern, right? Especially in areas that are hot. People always get poached. This is a big thing you were seeing in big tech. Uh, not anymore, but you were seeing it. Um, is that stock option or giving people a stake in the business uh, purely just to retain your talent and
1: get them, you know, that buy-in
0: into the mission?
1: Yes, I think that's one way of retaining talent, but I think the other thing is the mission. Uh, we are... And and sometimes we joke, but we start the day. You know, for example, the meeting just now said, "Okay, guys, uh, finish meeting. Let's go and save the world." <laughs> what we are doing is, it's people might, might might laugh at it, but we are helping in our small way to try to fight climate change, to make the world a better place. And I think the sense of mission. So apart from moral the sense of mission is fulfilling. You're doing something to help, and I think that's what keep. Our team members motivated as well because I'm not gonna lie, it is tough. We work in a very fast-paced industry. The climate tech industry is changing. New regulation coming out every single day, almost every single day. There'll be a new regulations that come out in June, and uh, the Europeans are finalizing the CBAM, etc. So there's so many things that you need to keep track of, and and you know I I don't want to deter people from working this, but sometimes you know our employees have to work overnight. I have to work overnight. You know, sometimes we have to celebrate weekends. It's tough. But I think that's why sometimes it's more than money to keep people motivated. And I think that the that, that extra is the sense of purpose. And I'm sure
0: increases in valuations of the stock options or stakes don't hurt, right, uh, Max? Yes. Um, early stage investors are important, right? So technically speaking, uh, no early stage investors right now on the cap table. Uh, but when you, when you went to raise that seed round, that 1.5 million, that convertible note, who did you approach, right? Because it's important to also, not. it's not just about the money, but sometimes the resources and non-monetary uh, skill sets that can make a big difference when you're early stage like this.
1: Yeah. So our investor, we have some VC uh, and some uh, hedge fund investors due to my hedge fund backgrounds. A lot of them are personal contacts, people that I know. And uh, they are not just investor. I don't call them investor. They are my trusted advisor. I appreciate they they provide the network, they provide the time, they provide advice. And and to reciprocate, actually, I, well, Pantas, we actually send out a monthly newsletter with all our KPIs and what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We do not just share about everything is going well, guys. <laughs> no, we actually shared like, this is what we're struggling with. Can you help us with this? So when we first started out, it was like, can you help us with how do we hire people? Hiring engineering in Malaysia is tough. We spent 12 months to build an uh, engineering team. So, so our, our, our uh, advisor said, okay, this is some people you can reach out, etc. So So we help. And, and the best thing that I, I heard from uh, my investors is like, and some of them mentioned that we love reading your investor letter because it's like because not everybody can run a startup. it's like it's like. and to quote their words and Sharon uh, if you're listening so our investor one of our investors Sharon she said it's like leaving a startup life true by reading this letter like they are feeling they're a part of the startup and that's what yeah they feel connected and that's what we're trying to do with our investor so looking ahead series A
0: um, I know you're not going to be able to tell us too much about that Uh, but what kind of size are we looking at and what kind of uh, investors, are you looking at right? Because again, um, early stage investors bring more than just the money. It's about what what else they can provide, the intangibles there. So, what are you looking for when you raise funds in, in your Series A?
1: Uh, I think the first thing is they need to understand the industry. They need to understand. Uh, at least we we we're we we talking more to to investors that understand the climate space. They have the connection or the technology or the know-how. So th- those are the people that we are currently talking to. We are not raising, but we're keeping the relationship warm. So those are the people that we are targeting. Uh, and in terms of size, it depends on which market and, and the whether the, the it's a JV, because if it's a JV, we don't have to raise as much, et cetera. And in, in fact, our partner offered to fund it as well. So, so I do not actually have a number in mind right now because of all these moving parts. So it's still very initial yeah. kind of talks. Yeah. Like there's this idea of a
0: series A at yeah. some point, yeah. but if you get funding the other in other ways, then maybe you don't have to yeah. face dilution so fast. Yes. Right.
1: Yes. And more importantly is because I think getting to break even make us very comfortable that we don't have to worry about where's the next paycheck going to come from. Now, as hot as the climate tech scene is,
0: uh, we are starting to see you know, economic conditions change a little bit and also overall funding in the region slowed down when it comes to VC funding anyway. Um, now, this may or may not impact Pantas uh, Tangipi since you guys are break even here in Malaysia and you have um, some ideas of how you want to go about it, you run a lean team. But I'm sure it's something that you're keeping an eye on. right? So to wrap up here, let's talk a little bit about worst case scenarios, right? You've had the pivot once. Now you're looking like the business is looking good, but it's only been eight months. Um, if needed, if you needed to lean up even further, are there cost levers that can be pulled to reduce your burn rate and stretch the runway even further?
1: Uh, I think the best, I think we are running a very, very lean team To towards to, to cut. I, I think that's, you know, we're cutting to the bones. I don't think there's anything more to cut, but, the way to insulate that is basically upsell our clients more value. And, that's and you, are you seeing
0: that kind of traction? Because yes. you know, upselling is easier said
1: than done. Yes. Uh, for our first client, we'll start talking about the extra service that we can provide. And we started with them back in August. So,
0: yeah. All right. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to say to wrap up the conversation?
1: I think... Um, it's very easy I think to, to when we talk about climate change we all know that we need to cut carbon emission but I think the hard part is the how and then before we even talk about the how that's where you need to start measuring and that's what we're doing and for the companies that if you run a company and you know that you need to start carbon emission but you don't know how or you don't know what's the benefit of doing all that I think do reach out and see how we can help you
0: Alright then, Max, thank you so much for your time today Thank you I've been speaking with Max Lee, the co-founder and CEO of Pantas and this has been Open for Business Up next, we've got the 11am News Bulletin and then Her Vantage I'm Roshan Karnasin, keep it here to BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app